0: Hi everyone, I'm Dawn Mitchell and welcome to Dawn of Sports. In this edition, Jim Suhan and I, not only do we talk to Mike Tirico, he says he's going to take a word back. He made a mistake. We'll tell you exactly what word that is. You probably already know, but we'll hear from Mike Tirico and also his Tay-Tay Sunday night game that people are still chatting about. We'll go through Justin Jefferson. We talk women in sports, of course, and we'll give you my DMs, DMs, the nice DM I finally received. That's coming up right now.
1: Welcome back to Dawn of Sports, starring Dawn Mitchell from Fox 9. This week's guest, Mike Tarico. We've had great guests. We've already had Mark Rosen, Jim Cott, Chad Greenway. Mike Tirico is going to be a blast. Of course, Mike and Dawn are friends from way back. Uh, These are all. Dawn's friends. She's bringing them in to tell great (laughs) stories and origin stories. Uh, This is part of TalkToWork.com. Thank you so much for listening. If you like the show, subscribe to your favorite podcast app. It's free. It's the easiest way to listen. Thanks to our sponsors, Rudy Luther, Toyota, and All Energy Solar, AllEnergySolar.com. And let's start with Take It From Us. It's amazing, Dawn, that we are in mid- October.
0: Yeah. And it
1: feels like the twins are just getting started and it feels like it's over for the Vikings. How did this happen?
0: I know. It's like it just flipped on a dime, yes. right? Um, you know, first of all, let's go with the twins. I'm yes. just so excited for them. And and I'm saying this as a journalist and a person. Sure. Um, although I, I took I took offense being from Boston, that people were calling their playoff streak a curse. It's not a curse. It was a drought, okay? I'll I'll give it – it was like an 18-game drought. But, you know, maybe the Vikings have the curse. I don't know. And I think maybe you you get a curse, you name it, and then you get rid of it. Um, But the Twins weren't cursed. If you have two world championships, you know, dating back to the late 80s, so that's not a curse. That's just a drought. So with that said – I just love this team. I think that they're fun, and I think they're coming together right at the right time. And Jim, you and I have covered sports for a long time. You can see a team that's power-packed, has the um, chemistry, has the character, and then they fall apart. So the fact that they're just gaining steam and they seem to still be having fun, like they didn't lose that, has been great for me to to watch the the pitching the hitting um, they haven't you know done any errors or bad mistakes and we've been watching the Vikings kind of throw things away and fumble things away so the fact that e- e- even covering it you know um, we, we are the home of the Vikings twins but just to even the coverage to see where all of a sudden it's like there's more and more and more twins and there's a little bit less of the Vikings during the week um, I think it's about time because the twins have just been held down for so long. So I've been enjoying it.
1: Yes. And and for context, we're recording this before game three on Tuesday. So we don't know what happens in game three. We don't know where this is going to set up. But it is, it's remarkable. And I felt like I spent the entire twins season. I mean, I I would go play in charity golf tournaments. I'd see people out in bars and restaurants. And everybody's like, God, the twins stuck. You suck. And they got to get rid of Rocco. And I was like, I'm like, okay, listen, they have pitching. Yeah, and because they have pitching, if they can just start scoring, like half a run a game more, Mm -hmm. maybe one run a game more, then all these things are going to fall into place, and they're going to be set up to win a division, and have their starting pitching set up for the postseason, and have two dynamic starters at the top of the rotation for the first time since maybe ever. Right. Um, it, It just the doom and gloom was so. It was so. Minnesotan. It was yes. so, oh, okay, we lost 18 in a row, therefore you can't win again, therefore everything's going to be terrible. And I was like, you got to see this. The pitching staff is set up for success, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden after the All Star break, they bring up Lewis, they bring up Julian, they bring up Wallner, Kepler gets it going, and they started becoming one of the better offensive teams in, in baseball rather than one of the worst. It was all trending toward this, and now we're seeing the fruits of it. And it's, and as th- it's something you pointed out. This is a very likable group. Yeah, I you know I I loved the early 2000 Twins teams. They were just a bunch of characters. Later 2000 tw- Twins teams, Morno aside, because Morno was always fantastic. There were a lot of people on that team I did not like. There were a lot of people the organization didn't like.
0: They always spoke highly of you, Jen. No, they. That's didn't. what my mom would say if no, I said they I didn't did like not. someone. There were so some ex...
1: bad actors and bad <laughs> characters on those teams, and I didn't hide it. You know, right? This is different. Hmm. Uh, Correa is a class act. Royce Lewis is, is
0: one of the nicest guys the ever.
1: Greatest people you're ever going to meet. Pablo Lopez is one of the best people you're ever okay. going to meet. Falvey's fantastic. Rocco's fantastic. The organization cares about people. They treat people well, well. They're accessible. It's really fun to see an organization with this mentality have some success.
0: It's also fun to see their long-term vision come to fruition, okay? Yep. So many people saying, "You overpaid for Korea, no other team wanted him, he was injured, blah blah blah." And now you see it down the stretch, right? You're paying for that wisdom, for that defense, for that leadership. I mean, wh- where else in baseball do you see when whenever it goes to the the pitcher's mound and it's like it's like a, you know, it's a Kumbaya, you know, it's definitely campfire and you Korea's in there and that's and that play. I mean, there's so many defensive gems that he's pulled, but you just say this is why this is why they got that guy. Yep. This is why they traded away Luisa Rice to get Pablo Lopez. This is why. You know, and it's almost like people are going, "Oh." You know, when you get new management in, it takes a while for their vision to take you know, root and to blossom. And you have to have everything go your way. You have to have injuries go your way. You have to have hitting. The interesting thing I I talked to them about when we were interviewing them last week, and this is before they were going to the ALDS, before they left for Houston, and they're talking about that losing streak. And this is where Minnesotans get down, oh, you know, they can't score a run, or we're losing, we're losing, and rightfully so. But, you the good teams learn from that. And that's where they really started bonding. You know, I know it's us against the world kind of thing, but they didn't take the bitterness. They were just like, we know what we have in this club. We just have to start getting a couple more timely hits. We just have to da-da-da-da. So they learned from their mistakes, and we're seeing it now. And um, I'm not going to say who it was. This is a former twin. not going to, because did not want this publicly, so I'm not going to out who said this. They said, you know, if they sweep the wild card, they can win this whole thing. And I absolutely agree. If they play their game and we know they swept the wild cards, now I'm like, okay, let's see if they can win the whole thing. I mean, I think now they're seeing how it's laid out in front of them.
1: Yes. And there then there's the other side of the coin, which is the, the Vikings. I had optimism this is going to be a good team, and I can't believe how many things have gone wrong already. And we're talking here on the afternoon of the morning that Justin Jefferson is headed to the injured reserve uh, they're 1-4, they're playing a Bears team in Chicago, they never play well in Chicago, the Bears are actually playing better now, you have the 49ers following that. We've gone from me saying, hey, you can't throw the game the season away after three games, to, oh my God, they, this might it might be over very quickly here.
0: You know, I wasn't in, coming into this week, especially when you have the 49ers after that on the horizon, you've got the Chiefs and the 49ers, you have to split those. And people were like, oh, they're going to get blown out by the Chiefs. But the Chiefs, that was a winnable game even before they hit the field yep. because you saw, like, they have some foibles there. If they can exploit their tackles on offense, you know, and make Mahomes do everything. And we saw that come to, to life. And once again, when the game started with another turnover, I th- you know, I could feel that collective Minnesota, like, oh, here we go again. They brought themselves out. But you bring that up. When I saw Justin Jefferson in the locker room after the game, and O'Connell went over to him, puts his arm around him, and you know, we couldn't hear what, what they were saying. Justin didn't even look at him. And he wasn't mad at him. He was just upset and he's looking straight ahead. And all I can think in my mind is, I hope he wants to re-sign an extension here. That's all, that's what my inner voice said. And it's not that he's against the Vikings, it's just this all the talent that's in the room all the almosts that have happened so far, and knowing that they could have won these games. And it's, it's more than just, oh, we had those games last year and we just came out on the, the other end. It's, it's different, it's some of these mistakes, some of the, the clock management, some of the play calls, you're just, you're like, this is so different from last year.
1: Yes, and you're bringing up a good point here, because this is, teams have bad seasons. But we're looking at more than that here. We're looking at maybe having to transition from to a new quarterback, which is risky. Mm -hmm. And we're talking about not getting the Jefferson deal done, then starting the year badly, then having Jefferson get hurt. Yes. And Jefferson's a competitor. He's been a class act throughout his time here. But what if this team is like, you know, one and eight, Mm -hmm. you know, two and seven when he's eligible to come back? I mean, how much is he going to put himself at risk for a team that doesn't have anything to play for and that hasn't signed him to a long-term contract? Right. And then how do the negotiations go from there? There, there are so many devastating scenarios in play now that I don't think were in play just a week ago.
0: And he's the kind of guy, they had to hold him off the field. Yep. Uh, you know, O'Connell was like, he wanted to go back in. We have to, we have to protect him from himself. And I, I, you know, he loves it here. But if you think long-term, they also have to think of it as a business. Um, people are seeing what the other side of it is. Like, yes, they are a much better team. And I'm not just saying on paper, talent-wise, than what their record indicates. Last year, they were not as good as what their record indicates. But it really sucks to be on the other side of that. Yeah. Fans, players, and, and management and everyone. Again, we talk about good people, Right good people all the way through. People say, oh, how was it to go in that locker room? Are they awful? I said, no. No, they're fine. They're not. I said, they're class acts. They talk to you. They answer you honestly. It is not, I've been in locker rooms in the past where you're like, well, I've been through all of them where you go in there, you ask a question and this is in the past. They're hitting their helmets against when it was the metal lockers and you're like, you're dodging, right? Or they're yelling at each other. I've, I've been in other locker rooms where you walk in and they just got blown out and they're laughing. And I'm like, That's not good either. Yeah, what's going on? This isn't it. You could tell they care. They're still respectful to us. And... And they're self-inflicted wounds. Yep. And that's and when I, I it's funny because I asked Marcus Davenport yesterday. I said, "Is it harder with these almost? And he goes, "You know, these questions are silly. I mean, yeah, yeah. Of course, we does we don't want to be almost." I said, "No, I guess you're missing my point. My point is, when you know that you're talented, when you know that you guys can win this, is that harder?" And he's like, "Oh, yeah." It is. Because sometimes you know you're on, a real, uh, you're on a rebuilding team and you're outperforming. But when you know that you could have done that, that hurts worse.
1: Blowouts are actually easier to process because there wasn't that one moment you can second guess. Yes. you get beat badly or if you're just not good enough, then you just shrug. But when you are good enough and you don't perform, there's a lot of guilt.
0: Right, right. You know, even when Kirk Cousins, uh, the game before, was talking about his two picks, you know. There's one you can just throw off, like, mm-hmm. okay. It, and it was the uglier one that is easier for him to process, you know, the pick six all the way back, like, ah. Uh, but it's the, I mean, that one is the one that frustrated him more. The other one where it's, like, just a competitive situation and they pick him off, that's fine. Um, sometimes you just have to. But, gosh, someone said to me, when you go in these locker rooms, if they keep losing, how d- how do you handle that? How did you handle their three-win season? I said the hardest thing is trying to tell the story the same way and differently.
1: That's that's the challenge, is how right. do you tell the same story over and over when it doesn't really change? And right. How do you bring life to it? But, that's. But of course, that's also what we're paid to do.
0: Right, and how do you respectfully ask that question yeah. again to a player who doesn't want to be like, really? You asked me that like for the past eight, eight weeks? And you don't want to say, well, because the same thing's happening. Yeah. You just have to, you know – and I think the players, they get it. They respect what you do, at least the, the guys on this team this year. Yeah. I mean, in the past, maybe they might have, but all these guys, are they're in a situation in the world now where they're on social media. They, they get the reality of the situation, and they understand our job, and we understand their job. But we're only in October.
1: I know. <laughs> My God. And on that note, <laughs> let's get to something Really, more important to this show, which is let's let's talk about women's sports. Yes. Women in sports. Um, we're going to talk about in sports every week on this show. We're also going to start bringing in some women guests uh, because we want to promote I'm really women's sports. Really looking forward sports, to that. And you know, it just just so happens that our early guests have been men. But uh, we do have a lot of great women guests lined up as we go into this. So what do you have for us today in the world of women's sports?
0: You know, one thing I wanted to point out, and because I think a lot of people were like, oh, I didn't know Minnesota United had a woman CEO. And some people were like, even women. Um, that, And her name, of course, Sherry Ballard, CEO of Minnesota United. And of course, the first time we really see her face plastered in the news is when she has to make that... Announcement that they're letting go of Adrian Heath, very first head coach in the history of MLS here in Minnesota. And, um, and it wasn't just a knee-jerk reaction. You know, after they were losing, uh, I forget even how many games, but it was one of those things where it kept going. So my question is, just because she's a woman doesn't make it any different that that's a hard call to make. Do you agree with it or disagree with it that, and for me, I'm like, what's two more games? Okay, so people just automatically assume that I would be like, well, it's a woman, yes, let's back her decision. I don't envy her decision to have to do that. But I don't, maybe I'm not savvy enough to know um, with all the different seasons when it comes to, I know they have the the MLS season, then they've got this other season, then they have their cup seasons, you know. why pull the trigger now and not let him finish out respectfully the season?
1: I think because there was still a mathematical chance of rallying this team and getting them into the playoffs, and they felt like. And I, you know, I listen, I'm not a, ho- I'm not a soccer insider, but having been around a million firings, I think sometimes you get to a point where the mood is so bad, you just have to do something different. Just and, have to, and, well, and, and
0: then they won, right? Like yeah, five something, yeah, the, and, the next game. And so
1: these are not. These are not scientific uh, events. These are not like somebody right. pulling out a, a, you know, a supercomputer and saying, well, let's, let's figure out exactly the, the perfect formula for when you fire somebody. So it's often feel. it's mood. Mm. It's, and Adrian, I would neither say that he, I, I'm not going to say he deserved to be fired. I'm not close enough to it to have the information on that. I'll just say that they gave him a good long run yeah. and things were not trending well. And they felt like they still had a chance to salvage the season. And, you know, I, I get why they did it. Let's put it that way. I, I understand why they made the move now.
0: Yeah, okay. I get why they did it. I just questioned the timing. Yeah. And because when I hear mathematically alive. I know. I don't. But, hey, it also shows that's that's how they're thinking. They want to make it. Yeah. You know? So you, you got to like it from that point of view. And I like the fact that that woman was standing up, and she's making that decision. She's taking the heat and, and getting, you know. I loved all of that.
1: The other thing is that this does give you a chance to look at the interim and how he handles the pressure. Sean. Of, Sean
0: McCauley, yes. He's
1: actually standing in that role, and you don't get another chance at that. Right.
0: And so what's intriguing to me is, so they have one more game left. It's not... The fact that they came back that next day and, and won in like a you know, hockey score, um, usually it's a 1-0. What I want to see is the next one, because sometimes a team rallies because they're like, you're put on notice, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, th- you cut off the head, right? The rest of the chicken's running around, right? So you're usually put on notice and like, okay, playing for jobs, you're playing for whatever. Or is it, okay, now this is Sean's time. This is Sean's time, and you know, like they really—they're rallying behind him, and they—and he does a really good job, which I've heard he—he he does anyway. Um, it's always tough to be in those situations because you yep. know that you're friends with the guy who who you've been with this whole time, so.
1: It's also what they sign up for, though. Yes, you know, it's—it's not—it's not pretty. It's—it's uh, it's an ugly part of the business, but it's inevitable. Mm-hmm. Nobody; these are not lifetime appointments, so. And the organization has to do what's best for the organization at some point.
0: It's not the only change that's been made in the organization either, and no. I don't know if it's going to be the last of them either. So Yes. So we'll have to do it. Also, uh, when it comes to women's sports, the WNBA finals. And yep. so it's tomorrow. They're in Vegas. The Aces have a one nothing lead. Um, I always mess up her name. Beznaya? No.
1: Betnaya. Be- Niger.
0: Okay. I always mess that up, so I call her Betts. Let's do that. Uh, Betts Laney. Cause, hey, you know, we're in sports. It's just nicknames. So uh, Betts Laney has been lights out. And I don't know if you've been following it, but what I have noticed on social media and my friend Van Shea Murdoch, who works with me, I'm calling him out because I love him. He is a huge supporter of the WNBA. He works with me at Fox and he's an awesome photographer. And I love that he went on social media and put WNBA finals greater than uh, NFL. Uh, greater than Vikings, you know, and I loved to see that. I loved to see the male support behind it. But it's true. It's like this is gonna. This is a powerhouse kind of situation. Um, and by the way, if you know Van you he'll he'll just rip off everybody's like roster. He is amazing. I worked the NCAA fi- uh, finals and the fi- you know, the final four and stuff with him. So great. But for me to see that that people are switching off their TVs. Granted, maybe not en masse, um, to put on the WNBA Finals. It's just furthermore, if you see it, you can be it. If you if you see it on TV, you can switch the channel to it. Um, I liked that. Would I like to see like the links in there a little bit more? Yes. But, I mean... People are going to change if they don't like what they're seeing on their televisions. And I know that more than anyone else when it comes to TV. But anyway, WNBA finals, uh, Liberty aces, I think it's, it's gonna, it's gonna go down. It's going to be a battle.
1: Well, it's, it's spectacular. I mean, it's Aja Wilson against Brianna Stewart, maybe the two best players in the world. It's the, the aces with a chance to really build a dynasty here. Mm -hmm. And if New York Liberty can go out and have UNESCO and, Go out and get Brianna Stewart, the number one free agent in WNBA history, and they can get VanderSloot, who the Lynx always wanted, and still not be good enough to beat the Aces. And the Aces are set up for a long run here. I have friends that live in Vegas and they went to an Aces game this year and they are like, what a spectacle. What a great show it is. Yes! Uh, so listen, we, uh, we would like the Lynx to be back in the battle for championships. Uh, that would be a blast. It's a great product. Uh, Lynx fan base is great. Uh, we have undying respect for Cheryl Reeve and everything they've built over there. but the, the mountain is so high right now. the, the aces are great. The aces are phenomenal.
0: The Aces are what the links were. I think for many years, people are like, yes. "Oh my God, look at the links they're stacked for years to come." Mm-hmm. So it can shift on a dime, um, but woo, you know injuries also can affect that. But um, I'm, I'm enjoying it right now. It's always like, oh, I got to catch up on what happened because right now for us, there's so much going on in the Twin Cities with the Twins and the Vikings and, you know, Wild starting up and Timberwolves starting up. You know, sometimes your head is spinning. Then I'm like, wait a minute, WNBA, WNBA finals are on.
1: So And I'll say this, you and I had the, the, you know, exchange off the air too, talking about it, you know, is there enough bandwidth for yes. WNBA? Here's the thing. There's always room. It's like ice cream. There's always room for more sports. There's always room for ice cream at the end of the meal. It'll find its way in there between the turkey and the giblets and everything else. People watch eight NFL games a week. People who like baseball will watch 12 baseball games a week. There's always room. It's just a matter of recognizing that this is great entertainment, these are great athletes, and it's worth your time.
0: Yeah, I guess sometimes for me, and this is not the point counterpoint or agree to right. disagree, sometimes for me I always think, like, yeah, this is kind of like the the really cruddy timing. You know, it's yeah. like they start in the summer when everyone's taking their trips and they're doing that, and then all of a sudden right when it gets to the, you know, the fine the playoffs and the finals, it's right when kids are going back to school, college football starting up. This is a it's I feel like if it was given a little more Not that there's a huge breathing space anywhere else, right? And they certainly don't want the NBA and the WNBA to be co-existing because, especially when the teams own both, I just wish there was a, a sweeter spot in terms of how we live our life that the WNBA could be in.
1: Well, you're actually making a really good point here because I think the fact that the WNBA plays during the summer when there's not much competition other than Major League Baseball, and they might be slightly different audiences, plays fairly well for the WNBA. But this time of year is brutal. Yes. College football, the NFL, postseason baseball, starting up hockey and, and basketball, it is brutal. It's brutal competition. I, so I think, you know, in our business we think, okay, when are the hot spots, when are the dead times? Yeah. February is a dead time in sports. It's all just process. It's just people in the middle of their long seasons. None of the games mean that much. Mm-hmm. I wonder if the WNBA started in February when there's really not much else going on and then concluded in maybe May when there's absolutely nothing else going Correct. on. Correct. And had their championship late May, June. That might be the perfect timing.
0: Yes. So that, that's what I was thinking. I'm like, ah, oh, the timing is just terrible. The product is fantastic. Yep the schedule and the timing is terrible. Now I said now there's there's people that pay scale is a lot higher than mine and and those people that I I say create a Google Docs and Google Calendar like their brains just operate differently than mine. I don't know who comes up with these schedules, but I always I always say god, it's just I love WNBA. I love basketball. I love the NBA too. But when it's in my Check down brain of like, and I. Like, oh yes, the WNBA is is lower only because of what I do for for work. You have to like. All right, what am I doing today? Uh, you're going to have that tight fan base that love it no matter what. That's going to show up no no matter what. But if you want to pull from everywhere else, I think it, it. I think it's a huge topic.
1: I agree. No, that's a good point. All right, we're going to get to Mike Tirico after we do DMs. DMs.
0: Oh, I've got a good uh, one. And to
1: explain, that is Don Mitchell's direct messages.
0: Don Mitchell's direct messages. Now, the last time we did this, it was that guy that said, you know, if he was the king of the giraffes. Okay. So this one is a little differently, and and I want to I want to preface this by saying it's not. It might be weird, but it's not weird in my book because I said the same thing to Jordan Hicks recently, Um, and so when I saw someone send this in my DMs who did not know what I said to Jordan Hicks, I was like, oh. So this is a thing. I'm not weird, but you can decide. This guy said, I want Dawn at Fox 9 to voice my GPS. Her voice is amazing when listening to her on the
1: newscast. Oh, well, that, that's, not, that's not creepy at all. That's, that's actually not, okay.
0: That's, and I'm like.
1: I thought these were going to be all creepy. So no. I, I guess I'm relieved.
0: Most of them are creepy. Some of them I can't even, I don't even want to say because then I'll have nightmares. Yes, please um, do those, those will stay, but I was like, well, that's nice, because I said to Jordan Hicks, I go, this sounds weird, but I would love your voice for my GPS.
1: That, okay, I can, I, can, I can get down with that.
0: He, he's always mellow. <laughs> he's got a good voice. I'm like broadcasting voice, this and that. and I'm, He's like, yeah. I go, oh, yeah, because if I were in traffic, and I was all hectic, and I had to get over from the right lane to the you know far left, I go, hey, Jordan Hicks, if he's giving me those directions, I'm going to just smooth glide all the way over. Absolutely. So now...
1: The quiet storm.
0: Yeah, so I won't out who said that to me, but thank you very much. That's pretty good. I could probably get paid sweet money for that, right?
1: I think. I think uh, the sky. Don't is the
0: go large. in that lane, dude. No That's a slow lane. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs>
1: <laughs> all right. Up next is our, uh, Dawn's conversation with Mike Tirico. Uh, first, want to let you know that we appreciate our sponsors to make all this possible. Uh, if you want to like to sponsor Dawn of Sports, you can reach our sales executive, Karen Cleary, K-C-L-E-A-R-Y at talknorth.com. Thanks to Rudy, Rudy. I always have trouble saying it. Thanks to Rudy Luther, Toyota.
0: Ready for a women forward car dealership? Rudy Luther Toyota empowers their many women on staff in sales, management, and service. Whether you are looking for a new Toyota or pre-owned vehicle, Rudy Luther Toyota has something for everyone. Every vehicle comes with a Luther Advantage. 10 cents off fuel and car wash discounts at holiday stations, Luther Advantage warranty, and five-day return policy on pre-owned vehicles. Located just five minutes west of downtown Minneapolis, off 394 and General
1: Mills Boulevard.
0: And they're also hiring. Want to join the team but don't know where to start? Visit RudyLutherToyota.com today.
1: Also want to know that all-energy solar panel installations are done right and made easy thanks to more than 14 years of experience in Minnesota and beyond. All-energy solar is ready to take any solar project, home or business, from design to insulation and everything in between. Find out more about going solar at AllEnergySolar.com, AllEnergySolar.com slash coach.
0: Well, joining us now, a very good friend of mine, Mike Tirico. You know him from Sunday Night Football, as well as the Olympics, Triple Crown, Masters, Indy 500 Hockey. I don't know, probably underwater bocce ball, too. Mike Tirico joining us from NBC. Mike, uh, is there anything that you have not done that you want to do, (laughs) announcing-wise?
2: You you know, Don and and Jim... uh, you are right. Your research is impeccable. I am the world-renowned number one voice of international bocce ball. Oh, so nice. that does in fact that does in fact complete my resume. <laughs> no, uh, it it's great to be with you all. You know, honestly, uh, if you want to start with a with a tough question right away or a, a big impact question right away, I, I really would say the only thing that I have not done professionally and how blessed I am to do that is. Uh, call a Super Bowl, and hope to in a couple of years with uh, our NBC group, but uh, hosting the Super Bowl, uh, pregame show, working the Kentucky Derby, the Indy 500, and the Olympics. Those were the things that were on my list of, boy, I hope I get a chance to do those during my career, and moving to NBC eight years ago now, which is hard to believe, kind of checked all those boxes. So I've been lucky and blessed. It's been an amazing run, and you, know, you get to come to cities like Minneapolis and St. Paul, meet people over the years like you, Don, read people like Jim and his columns. And it's just it's a really fun job because it's a people job, whether it's the athletes, the coaches, the athletic directors, the fellow journalists. It's it's a people job. And I just have a curiosity for meeting people in cool places. So what a what a fun ride it's been. And I'm loving every second of it.
0: I think, Mike, you told me a story about when you were doing the Olympics and then you had to, I don't know, how you even got back to the States to get to a Super Bowl. What was that experience like? And and how do you keep, I can barely keep my brain settled on what sport I'm doing <laughs> at the moment. Uh, how did you handle all that?
2: That was, uh, that was a run of a lifetime. You know what? Uh, you know, in this world where we all take so many pictures with our phones, I look back at that run and... I rue the days that I did not take more pictures of that. That was a, a once-in-a-lifetime experience. So we went over to Beijing. It was during COVID still over there in China. So we were testing every day in the U.S., and we tested every day, not not with a, a regular little saliva test or a nasal test. It was a throat swab every day that ew, we were in Beijing. Ew. At 5 in the morning, yeah. If you, ever, if you ever want to wake up call at 5 a.m., throat swab is not the way to go, folks. Uh, so <laughs> we, we, we did that every day. We, we covered the opening ceremony where, uh, you know, there was a lot of uh, heavy politics going. Xi Jinping and Vladimir Putin were standing next to each other about 20 yards over my shoulder wow. during the opening ceremony. Uh, it, it was an odd, unique night. And then we covered the first part of the Olympics and went through all of that and then we left uh, after that first full week, headed back to the U.S. so we could be in the U.S. to host the Super Bowl in L.A. So we came back to Connecticut, hosted Tuesday through Thursday of the Olympics at our NBC studios there, out to L.A., did Friday, Saturday, Sunday. The coo- it was, it, it'll be the coolest day of my career ever. I, I can't imagine a cooler one. Uh, got to host the Super Bowl pregame, halftime, Super Bowl post game, do the trophy presentation with the Rams and Matthew Stafford and Sean McVay and all those guys, and then go right onto the field and host our primetime Olympic coverage, and then go outside of SoFi and wrap up the coverage. I think we went on at noon and off at 2 a.m. Eastern time, and it was just one of those insane days. Then we got back on the plane, and we hosted the rest of the <laughs> Olympics from Connecticut for that last week. So that was, a, that was a time and a half, and without, as you know, both of you, uh, y- your name may go first on a story that you're reporting or Jim on a column, but you know, without the editors for the column or without the uh, photojournalists and editors to help you put a TV show together, we're, we're nothing without the teammates we have, and uh, without our teammates at NBC, I wouldn't have... Uh, wouldn't have been able to get through that stretch. But it was uh, memorable for sure. And uh, one thing I'll never forget. Ooh.
1: And Mike, I, I bump into you regularly down at uh, Augusta every spring. Yes. Uh, I was wondering, you know, for me, all the things I've gotten to do, I've been lucky as well uh, in, in my assignments over the course of my career. The Masters is like the most, it's unique in that you're the same place every time. And everything's incredibly right. familiar, and they take such good care of you. For me, it's it's such a treat every spring. Where does that where does the Masters rank among the cool things you get to do? I,
2: I will I will tell you the answer, and then I'll tell you a story, Jim. Um, that's what podcasts are for. Yes. right? Amen. Um, I, I, <laughs> I uh, it's right up there. I, I, how can it not be? How can it not be anything but near the top of what you get to do if you get to go back there? Even if you go there once, right? Like you said, Jim, th- do we get treated better anywhere as members of the media at any sporting event? Not even close, nope. right? They they the accommodations are great. They built a press building 3 4 years ago, maybe 5 years ago now, and I said, you know, every sporting event should just have like fiber feeds back to that press building. And We should all cover it from that building because it's just the most amazing place to yes. work and it, it's one one week a year, right? They treat you so well and um, the place is just like you walk in and it's someplace special. And even if you don't know golf, it's special. So uh, y- your question was, you know, it has to rank up there. does it rank up there. So I remember, Jim, I'm doing an NBA game at ESPN. This is probably early 2000s, uh, mid-2000s, after we have the NBA package. And it's a West Coast game, and uh, we're coming up on the Masters, right, and it's on ESPN in a few weeks. And so I'm there, Portland third quarter, innocuous free throws, whatever. And I say, Oh, just a couple of weeks away. Masters. Can't wait to be there. No better place in sports. Look forward to being there. And then I hear from some friends at the NBA that, yeah, no better place to be in sports. You're in the middle of an NBA game, right? <laughs> like, how, how are you telling people that you'd rather be someplace else. And it was a little bit, a little bit of a a soft tweak. Right. Right. (laughs) But I took it, I took it as a reminder and you hear this line with your kids. And for those of us who have kids and their phones and they're always on your phone and be where your feet are. Right. Mm -hmm. And I've learned to try and approach making every place that I am my favorite place at that time. Uh, If you're blessed to have multiple kids or multiple animals, you know that you love them all the same in different ways. And I try to take that approach with the events. So yeah. Do I love Augusta? Absolutely. But, you know, ask me on the first Saturday in May when those 20 horses come around the first turn and we're sitting there with the twin spires behind us and the horses coming at us at the Derby that's pretty darn special uh, every Sunday night for for that football game when Carrie Underwood song is playing before we get to come on the air. Um, I, I'm very lucky, as we all are, to be in a lot of special places, and instead of ranking them, I've just tried to enjoy them as I've gotten older here doing this, and uh, it was a good lesson. But, uh, yeah, Augusta, if you really make me answer the question, it's, it's as close to the top as you can get. <laughs>
0: Well, you know, I'm going to piggyback off that, Mike, because I was just at an event last night, and we were talking to men and women alike, and some of them knew that you're coming on this podcast, and I, uh-huh. I have to tell you, so a friend of mine said you have to tell Mike Tirico that first of all, I love him. Second of all, how he handled the Taylor Swift game—that's what she called it—is <laughs> amazing. <laughs> she said because I am oh. a Swifty and a football fan, and you walked both sides of that perfectly, like you gave the Swifties, oh. like you said, be where your feet are. Well, you had one foot in Swiftie land and the other <laughs> one in football land and everyone loves you. Like you gained so many more fans that night. How was that for you to handle?
2: That was an experience, Dawn, because <laughs> you just didn't know, right? And my my daughter is college age, so she mm-hmm. gets it, but she's not like super out of control Swiftie, right? But But I, I've got enough people in my circle who've got kids who are Swifties, that you knew the impact of the tour. i had seen the documentary. She's amazing. She's such an amazing artist and talent and all that. And her following is extraordinary. Mm-hmm. So when we saw the week before that there was a bump in the audience for a blowout game against the Bears, in part because Taylor Swift was at the stadium, we couldn't ignore it. Right. So. We try to approach it, and here's what I suggested to our production group and our producer Rob Highland, who's awesome. He um, he he helped us run with this mantra during the week. And we average um, an amazing 20 million viewers a week for Sunday Night Football, so we got 20 million regular guests. Let's Ooh. let's make them. Let's take care of them. That's my priority, right? Uh-huh. That's our priority. But if we've got a couple million guests who are coming to sample. You don't turn your back on. You got to welcome them. Right, so, right. Uh, our production team, which thinks so clearly, and they, they had the fun. We we had Carson Daly from the Today Show and The Voice to do all the Taylor Swift song references. Right, mm-hmm. we knocked out like twelve right in the uh, right in the T's for the game. And then Chris and I pretty much didn't touch it during the game, other than say hi to the Swifties at the start of the game, show her a couple of times during the game. And there were people who were critical of it. And they're hardcore football fans. I, I go back and challenge them, like, what'd you miss out on? You got all the XO stuff. You got more on Zach Wilson than you've ever gotten out of a broadcast. We, we did as much as we could. But you want to acknowledge that audience because this is a business. And your job is to document the game, inform the fans, and entertain them. Sports is entertainment. As much as we love it and we love our teams and we love our Vikings and we love the twins on a playoff run and let's go T-Wolves and on the wild and all that stuff, this is still entertainment. People have the option to go watch something on Netflix if they're not watching the game. So let's keep them entertained. If you have new people in the house, do it. Don't dumb the game down because there are a couple million people who might be watching just to see Taylor Swift so try to find that balance hopefully we did we tried our best but i'll tell you it would. i gained an appreciation for why her following is so strong and the fact that i could you know quietly in a couple of spots dump a few taylor swift lyrics in there i didn't want to do the song titles cuz <laughs> right. that was that, that that was done already right, right so right. i my, my my best friend doing this Ian eagle i i got it all started uh, a couple of weeks before that so i'm like okay how do we do it so I just pulled, I, I listened to, <laughs> I truly downloaded the uh, Apple music, Taylor Swift essentials. And I listened to Taylor Swift music for about three days and pulled like four or five lyrics. And I said, if there's a spot, I'm going to use it here. And I ended up using a couple of them as we went through and a few people got it. And those who didn't weren't offended. They didn't even know that I dropped them. So I'm like, okay, we, we, we kind of, we kind of had some fun there, but that's the power of the NFL and, uh, the, as you guys know, covering the league, you're going to make people happy and unhappy. So we tried our best, and it was a heck of an experience. I'm just bummed I didn't get to meet her, to be honest with you.
0: Oh, I, I bet you she's bummed she hasn't met you either, because when she finds that out we- all <laughs> these Easter eggs that you dropped, I mean, <laughs> let me tell you, my friend that was asking about this, she thought a producer handed you those. So the fact that you downloaded the music and listened to it and wove in those lyrics, she's going to be thrilled. And and we're not just talking about <coughs> this is a Swifty that kind of likes football. My friend is a football fanatic, works in the business, knows her sports, and loves Swift. So you did it expertly. So I just have to give you kudos.
2: Thank you for that. And you know what, Dawn? Like, my my wife played basketball in college. Our daughter played golf and basketball and soccer in high school. My daughter's a huge, our daughter's a huge sports fan. Like, Mm -hmm. she'll she'll talk to me about games, about watching games on TV and all that stuff. The, The reality is... There are so many women who not just watch sports, who love sports, live for it. That you know the old thinking and mentality has changed and adjusted. I'm just glad I'm in a house where, uh, you know, the the women the women of the Torico house are as big sports fans as the guys are. Right. So it it kind of it kind of helps along. So I'm not surprised to hear that. And that we were thinking about that too. That they're they're not two separate independent groups. Right. Swifties. There may be some sports fans and vice versa. So. Let's try to serve them all.
0: Okay, so I have to ask you before I get into the story about how we met, at least from my my uh, my, okay. point, my point of view. Um, I yeah. have to ask you about the feedback you've got from your asterisk comment. How has that been? <laughs> you
2: mean, you, you mean you mean how I'm uh, I'm angry? Everybody's angry at me in Detroit. Yeah. So <laughs> yes, yes, it, yes, yes, yes. It was an interesting lesson. So, so to go back, it's week one. It's Kansas City and Detroit, and The Lions are going to win the game. And I went back over on the front end of this and point out the two games recently where the championship banner team, the home team, lost at home. It's very rare. And point out that the Lions are going to win this game, but there's no Chris Jones and Travis Kelsey who are – the second and third best players on the Chiefs. Nobody's gonna make that argument. So I didn't wanna say, and the point I had made just before was, the Chiefs went to New England and won, and that started the Chiefs on this run of four or five years. That was their first big win in that stretch. So I was just trying to put that marker out there and say, I don't know if this equals that, because those guys aren't here. Mm -hmm. And I use the word asterisk, (laughs) and if I could go back, I would take that one word back. (laughs) But I would not take the, and that's fine. Look, you, you say about ten thousand words in exactly. a live broadcast. About ninety nine hundred and eighty of them are unscripted. So I, I don't. I'd have no problem making a mistake and saying I was wrong. We, you know, we're all we all do this long enough. But you're you're out there without a script. You're out there going for three and a half hours. If you do everything perfect, that's that's a win. But you don't win every game, right? Exactly. So that is a, a mistake I made. I would take that word back. No doubt about it. I was wrong for saying that word. But what I would say was the clip that ended up going viral stopped after I say, this has an asterisk, but, and then the clip was cut off, and nobody ever bothered to listen to the rest of it, except for a few people in Detroit when they went to write about it, and then they wrote, what I say after the but is, as soon as the clip gets cut off, but if you saw this team in Green Bay the last week of the season last year, and if you saw them tonight, you know these lines are for real and have arrived. And that was the whole point mm-hmm. of the sentence. Mm-hmm. So it's just a reminder. For me as a journalist, it reminds me now to make sure that I properly contextualize what people say because being taken out of context sometimes is very unfair. doesn't mean I wasn't wrong in not using the power of every word because I know every word is powerful. But uh, but I would say that the sentiment of the entire statement was to say, hey, guys, the Lions did what Buffalo did last year and the Chiefs did five years ago, and this team is on a par with those other teams, and they can be as good as anyone in the NFC. That was the whole point of the statement. People took the middle of it and made it that, oh, no, hey, you're wrong for this, you're wrong for that. So it's just a good reminder of the power of every word that we have on TV. and. If you're gonna if, if you're gonna beat me up over that, I'll I'll take my bruises. That's fine, and we'll, we'll come come back to fight another day. Well, so. I think
0: it's just exacerbated too in the world we live in of like the ten to fifteen second soundbite that you can throw on social media, right? So it's always great to end it before your butt. You know, they're not right, going to say, right. "Oh, let's say, oh, that's thirty more seconds. Forget it. We're just going to take the sensationalized p- portion. So, um. well,
2: well, social social media, and you both you both live in the media world, so uh, you both understand it. Uh, you know, Don, you have bosses. You have sports director, news director, general manager. You have bosses at your station. Mm-hmm. Jim, you have editors, and and all the way up the food chain. There, I have bosses. We all have gatekeepers. We have people who are there make sure that you are not taking things out of context to sensationalize them or that you hear about it. If you do mm-hmm. social media does not have gatekeepers, which is part of the the glory of social media, that everybody has a voice, but the responsibility factor has decreased significantly for putting a message out. And where that has gone South, at least in my opinion, I know where you guys are, this is your profession as well. I, I think that our profession in general has tried to slide towards that a little bit because of the popularity of social media. And I don't think the journalism product is as good today as it was before social media because people are trying to keep up with what's popular. And and that's that's long-term troubling for me because you don't know what a trusted source is anymore. Right. And you feel like it's harder to be a trusted source because of the lack of respect or the lack of faith that people have in media, uh, over the last, since social media has really become so prominent.
0: Truth, truth, truth on that. Um, so I, I want to tell the story about how we met and Jim, okay. you, you'll probably laugh because a lot of people just assume it's from sports, right? It's like, Oh, you're at an event or you're covering something. <laughs> and right. so I'm going to throw this all the way back and I'm not going to say the year. Because, you know, I'm still 28. Um, so, but I will say the old Boston Garden was still there. So we're I was at the Fours right. restaurant across the street from the Boston Garden. And I was That's there with right. some friends. And I'm having lunch. And I saw that you were sitting at a table with now my, my dear friend who um, dearly departed, uh, Bob Newmeyer. And yeah. um, you were yeah. sitting with Newmey. And I interned for yeah. Newmey. And so, and I saw over there, and I was like, oh, look, they're sitting over there. Well, I thought you were just going to the restroom. And so he's walking <laughs> by. And so here's my triku who stops at my table. And you introduce yourself to me. And so I immediately thought I, you were put up to do this by new me, By
2: by new me? Yeah.
0: And you're like, hi, Don. I want to introduce myself. I'm Mike Tirico. And I'm like, well, yeah. Like, okay. You know, I was very polite. Like, yes, nice to meet you. I know who you are. And you're like, well, I just want to tell you, you know, you said, you know, my wife and I, we love your work. We watch you every morning because I was doing sports desk for Nesson at the time. And it's in all of New England, right? And you lived in Connecticut at the time. 15
2: minutes of sports desk every morning. Amen.
0: And it repeated for six hours. So you got sick of that same story, right? Over and over again gosh yes. and so you came over and and so i literally thought you were lying <laughs> so i said come on let me put you up to it and the look on your face like no like, what? No. I go, New me He all. put you up, like, you're punking me, right? And you're like, what? Um, and he goes, oh, no. you know me I go, you know I know me And he, you're like, no, no. Like, I how do you no know Noomi? And I go, well, I interned for me He's like, no, seriously? <laughs> I came over here on my own? And so. That's right. And then I guess you and and Me were there for a Syracuse thing at the garden, right? I think we were. He, and, That's
2: exactly right.
0: So to this day, and knew me for the longest time. That's like, so great. You know, that I didn't even think of that. Don, that would have been something I would <laughs> do. But no, he legitimately stopped on his own. I thought he was going to the men's room. Uh, and then you gave funny. me a it's line on my of... first agent. I remember I'd ask you, like, okay, so what, you know, what do you do? Because <laughs> I was just fresh in the business. But I just remember that to this day. People are like, really? Like, it's, that's how you met him? I'm so like, great. yeah, I totally thought he was, like, BSing me.
2: That's so great. <laughs> the look uh, on your face Bob, is like, what? Because, <laughs> you know, the, the, the whole Minnesota nice thing, people in Minnesota, if they got to know Bob Newmeyer, would would have loved Numi, right? Oh. I mean, and maybe some folks who followed horse racing knew Numi or maybe some of the hockey stuff he did, but what, what, a, what a great guy. And I think, dude, Jim, you know this, Don, you, you know this. Uh, the, the fun of this for so many of us is that we are covering sports. It is a job but we do get to go to sporting events and we get to meet so many cool people from so many different cities and places. And we're fans. Mm -hmm. Like we're not just fans of watching good sports. We're fans of other people who do the job really well. Right. So, you know, uh, so, you know, when, when uh, when I'd come to Minnesota, I'd see Rosen on TV. I'm like, man, this guy is a legend. Okay, now I understand why I knew about him from when I was doing local TV back in my days in Syracuse, and we all knew about, hey, Rosen's the guy in Minneapolis, or Bob Lobel was the guy yeah. in Boston, and that's that's the joy of this, and it's uh, man, man, it's fun to. What are we? We're the conduits for the fans to their teams, um, and. You know, sometimes it's good news, sometimes it's bad news, sometimes you like the way we do it, sometimes you like the way somebody else does it. But I think most of us take the job really seriously and the responsibility to be that connection for the fans. I heard it best explained when one of our uh, current leaders at NBC was explaining the industry to uh, an athlete who was coming off the field and coming into the sports media business and said, you know, now you work for the fans. You don't work, you don't, you, of course you work for NBC, right? But you now work for the fan. You, you, you're there to tell them what you can tell them, explain to them what you can. I never really thought of it that way, but it's it's a great way to think about what we do. And we, we love doing it and you build a trust. And that's why the two of you have been revered and trusted in the twin cities for, for a few years. I'll, I'll keep the number of years out, Don, but for, for a few years. And uh, that's what I think wakes us up every day to try to do the right thing for the fans on a regular basis.
0: Well, amen to that. That's a perfect way to end this. Um, Mike, first of all, I adore you as a friend. We've known each other forever, here, pal. but I respect yeah. you so much as a broadcaster. I remember looking once in NBC, they threw you into hockey and you were seamless. It was like, you know, I know that you probably got the call cause someone was sick and then you were in there and it was, just elegant and and i don't even know if that's a proper word but whenever that's you nice. speak that's you're just nice. elegant you. regardless of the sport so as a person can i tell you a
2: 30 a 30 second story oh, real 30 I would second love quick, that. Story, yeah, quick story quick yeah, story for sure i i started i started doing hockey because i kind of lost a bet <laughs> we're watching we're we're with we're with our boss sam flood and i'm with eddie olchek because eddie as you know covers eddie, yeah. hockey and horse racing yeah, he's the best ponies and pucks and we are getting ready to cover the Preakness. We're in Baltimore, and the playoffs are going on. So we go out for dinner, and we're watching a game. And, we're, and I'm asking Edzo, I'm like, Edzo, why does he put the number two power play out there first? Like the number one, you know. So it was. Just, I was really into the series we were watching. And so our boss says to me, he goes, and "I was at NBC for a couple of years. You think you could do hockey?" And I'm like, um. Uh. Yeah, yeah, I can do hockey. Yeah, sure I can. I wasn't going to back down to a challenge. So I was like, okay, great. And then like five months later, he calls me, said, hey, I have you and Edzo on four games. Edzo's done this forever. He's got your back. We'll start you with the Red Wings since you live in Detroit, the Red Wings Blackhawks. We got you on like four games during the year. And I'm like, oh he, he was, he thought I was serious when we were sitting there watching the game. Okay. And I got, I got to work. I'd never done a hockey game and I got to work on, okay, don't embarrass yourself. And I had the most fun doing it. And I have such respect for the people who call hockey because that's that, if you ask me, that's the hardest sport to call play by play. Um, mm-hmm. and I have such respect for the people who do it. So I, uh, I kind of, wouldn't back down from a bet <laughs> at dinner <laughs> and it uh, got through a bunch of hockey games so thank every time somebody mentions that yes. they say that I I didn't suck. I take it as a huge compliment, so thank you.
0: Well, you know, Johnny Most did it once, right? He was thrown in on radio, and he was like, ah, oh, the puck goes over to that guy and over to the other guy. <laughs> like, he, you know, it's so hard. So, no, you were effortless, and it was uh, fantastic. It's nice of you. All right. Uh, Mike Tirico, just, just a joy on the airwaves and in person. If you ever have a chance to meet him, um, you'll be adding to your life. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank
2: Don, thanks, thanks, Jim. I hope we get to see you guys. Hope the Vikings survive this season, and we get our games in Minneapolis. I was looking forward to that, but we'll we'll catch up soon. And thanks for having me. Both of you, keep up the great work.
0: Uh, same to you. Thank you. Bye bye.